0: Okay, good morning. If you're a visitor, I want to say it's lovely to see you here. Uh, Welcome. I trust you've found the presence of God already and God's speaking to you. Um, I'm always amazed sometimes when you come to preach how what you're going to hear is an echo of everything God has already uh, brought to us, which is a a wonderful thing. And uh, my heart this morning and what I want to share is that actually we come into the wonder of God. I want to share wonder this morning. I... What I'm going to speak on gripped my heart just over 12 months ago. And uh, I, I've just caught up in this whole matter of God's forgiveness of us. And uh, particularly the last bit I'm going to talk a lot about, which is about being blameless which is an extraordinary expression of forgiveness, something in human terms we don't really know. So we're going to have to put our heaven-to-earth eyes on a bit this morning to be caught in our hearts by the wonder of what God has uh, done for us and what he has given to us in this wonderful gift of forgiveness. So we're following the discipleship series, and this morning is disciples know that they are forgiven. and My heart is it's not that we know it that you can recite some verses, but actually deep in our innermost being, we know we are forgiven. And the joy and the freedom of that is flooding our hearts and our lives. Malcolm last week, very wonderfully, I thought very good, spoke on forgiving one another, how we forgive one another. And you know, the reference point for the forgiveness we give for one another is the forgiveness that we have received. In fact, I would argue until you have received the forgiveness of God into your life, your ability to forgive one another is somewhat impaired and somewhat reduced. And May I can mention a scripture that I uh, wanted to start with this morning. So if you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Colossians. If we haven't a Bible, the words are going up on there. Uh, we're only just going to read some extracts from this wonderful familiar passage. But just because it's familiar... Let's not just allow it to just wash over us in a way that uh, we dismiss it. So let's just actually, let's just pray. Let's just put our hands out. Perhaps you could just ask Father God. Father God, is there anything you want to say to me this morning? Why don't you ask God that right now? Father, Father, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Father I thank you that you are present. Thank you because Jesus is raised from the dead. You fill our hearts. You fill our lives. You fill this place with who you are. Father would you speak to us each and every one. May we go from this place filled with wonder. And Father for those Father, that you want to touch in a particular way, would they go from this place utterly free? Utterly free from the burden, the shame and guilt of sin. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's just cut into this beginning part of the letter that Paul was writing to the church at Colossae. And in verse 11, he writes this, he says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Isn't that wonderful? The Father has qualified you to share in his inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Then Paul writes this amazing passage about Jesus Christ and that he was the image of the invisible God. And then in verse 21, he, uh, he picks us. In fact, in verse 20, let's go to verse 20, sorry. Verse 20, there we go. Okay, um, verse 20 says, And through him Let's read that again. And through him, that's Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing deeds of evil, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you before him. Sorry, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Hallelujah. Now before we look at the issue of forgiveness, we need to just set a bit of a a scene. Because the Bible tells us that we in this room, and not just in this room, every human being has sinned and we fall short of God's glory. And I think the reality for me, being brought up in a Christian home, was that actually I felt somehow I was Oh, the arrow's gone more like the left target. I don't know what's happened to the arrow on the left target. But somehow, in my life, when it says I fell short of the glory of God, I was sort of just off the bull. You know, I didn't get a 50, but I got a 25. That's where my arrow struck. And I think we can think like that sometimes, that when we compare ourselves with Hitler, when we compare ourselves with Mugabe, when we compare ourselves... Uh, with other men and women in history who are debauched and we see their lives as being utterly awful. We can compare ourselves and say, well, actually, I didn't fall that far short of the glory of God. But the reality for all of us is that we didn't even get close to the target. We are like the second picture. Our arrow was fired and we fell far short of God's glory, of God's best for our lives. And when we stand before the cross, which every human being stands before the cross of Jesus Christ, we are equal. There is no one in this room better than the other before the cross of Christ. The cross is the great leveler of our lives. And so in our lives, we do sin. And the sin that's mentioned here first is that in our minds, we were hostile to God. We're hostile to God. Which means there was nothing in me that wanted to follow God's ways. In fact, I quite deliberately sinned. I quite enjoyed sinning. I was willful in my sinning. I knew from a very young age how to lie. And I could lie with impunity. I could do it. In fact, I could build lies upon lies in my life to avoid getting into trouble, typically. But, you know, the Bible says that we envy And we get jealous. We have hateful thoughts in our minds. And every one of those sins is like a really heavy burden upon us. Ruben, would you come here? And it's an incredible burden, isn't it? And every human being walks around with weight of sin in their lives. They might deny God. They might not know who God is. But the reality is we carry in our lives this burden of sin. And to add to the pain of our sin, there are two other things that come. There is guilt and there is shame. And that gets added into our burden of sin. And that's, that is who we are. Do you want to just sit on the table here, Ruby? Just so take the wheat off your back a bit. we take it off or not? No, just keep it on. Keep it on. <laughs> This is where he hopes his dad preaches a bit faster and a bit more precisely. <laughs> but that is our experience in life. If this morning you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, you're still walking around carrying this burden of sin. And inside every human being, even inside the most debauched person, is this gnawing thing of shame and of guilt and the weight. Of our sin. And that's our predicament before the cross of Jesus Christ. And so let's look at the first thing that God's forgiveness brings to us. Firstly, God's forgiveness removes from us our sin. If you just turn, if you have a Bible, to Psalm 103. Verse 10. This is wonderful. Listen. He, that is God, does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. Not only is it physical death came into the world through sin, but sin causes death into every part of our lives. So when I sin with envy, it causes death to relationships. When I sin by lying, I bring death to my relationships. In fact, it's interesting that almost every sin that you can call, can recount from Scripture actually ends up in a death of a relationship somewhere. It either fractures my relationships with my friends, with my family. Or it fractures my relationship always with God. It brings death. It brings death to things. But remarkably, God does not treat us in the way our sins deserve. Because if he did, we would be dust. The earth would never exist. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, it would all be over if he treated us according to our sins. Because remember, in the heart of God, before ever there was a created order you and I existed. Do you realize that? You existed in the heart of God before the foundation of the world. His plans and his purpose, his joys for you to know and experience, the relationship he wants you to have with him existed before the foundation of the earth. And so if in that moment of Adam sinning, the whole lot went to dust, it would be an extraordinary loss. Your eternity lost forever. But God in his mercy didn't kill Adam and Eve. He actually came to them. Though there was a fiery sword and a cherub keeping them from the tree of life. God went with them out of the garden. And he's been with mankind ever since. Seeking to win them. Into relationship and back to him again. So he doesn't treat us as our sins desire, but he does this. It says, As far as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, that you can't get any further. That happens to be east and that happens to be west. And God in his mercy, when we confess our sin, he comes and he removes the burden from us and the shame and the guilt. And he removes it from us. He removes it all the way as far as the east is from the west. He goes and it goes and it goes. He removes from us our sin. He removes from us. In fact, the word forgiveness means to lift off and to take away from us. The Hebrew meaning of the word. And Isaiah says this. He says, he bore our sin. He, he, was, he carried our griefs. And upon him was laid the sin of us all. The whole image is that we are separated from sin when we confess. Thank you, Reuben. You're going to sit down. Thank you. Why is that so important? Why is it that we need to be separated from our sin? The first thing is this, is that sin pollutes. Sin corrupts who we are. If I remain, if I keep sin in my life, it's like a poison that's going through me. And you know, in 2014, when there was that dreadful Ebola outbreak in, uh, in, in um, West Africa, thousands died, thousands of thousands of people died. But the way that they won the war of that dreadful outbreak was to quarantine people. And God wants you to live free from sin and its consequences. And so he separates, he quarantines you from your sin. It's a remarkable thing that he does. And Romans 6 verse 14 says this, that sin will not have dominion over you because we're not under law, but we're under grace. Won't have dominion. Why does sin defeat us? Well, it's because it resides unconfessed in our lives. We don't bring it to Jesus. We don't bring it to the cross. And therefore, it continually pollutes us. I don't know if you've ever had a nail in your foot. If you've ever trodden on a rusty nail. And you, and you get it out, but you know you leave a little bit behind sometimes, don't you? It's there. It's there. And then a few days later, you think, flipping it, what's wrong? It's all itchy. And then you look and it's all red. And, and it's just got that remainder in it. We're not separated from it. And God wants to separate us from our sin because it, it, it pollutes us. I think the other reason, there's a reason that God separates us from our sin is because when we talk about people, we say they're a liar. Don't we? We say they're a liar. They're a cheat. They're a murderer. And by that language, we cause their identity to be shaped around their behavior and who they are. I want you to know this morning, your identity in Christ has been utterly changed. And that's why it separates us from our sin. Because it's not your identity. In fact, in 2 Peter 9, it says, we are holy ones, we are saints. It says, you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. That's your identity now in Christ. You are a son and a daughter. And sometimes I hear people say that um, we, are, we are clothed in his righteousness. And, and, and when Jesus looks at us, when God looks at us, he looks at Jesus. That's, I think that's a bit false. Because we're not dirty dogs in a clean coat, as we say on the Freedom in Christ course. Actually, you are thoroughly a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are a holy one. I want you to know right now, Father God, if you love Jesus, looks at you and he delights in who you are. He does see Jesus. He does see the sacrifice of Christ. But he keeps his eyes fixed on you because you're not just a dirty dog in a clean coat. You have been made holy. So he separates us because our identity isn't our sin. Our identity is Christ. And the other reason he separates us from our sin is this, because... Our past is not to define our future. So again, our past is not to define our future. Many Christians live in a state of being tripped up by sins of the past. Things they can't forgive themselves over. Things that they don't believe God can forgive. But God lifts the burden of our sin. And he removes it from us so that your destiny in him can be fulfilled. That you can walk in it and you can run in it. So the first thing he does, that God's forgiveness, he removes our sins to infinity and beyond. That's where it goes. It's not around your legs. It's not the weight on your back anymore. You are forgiven. He's separated. Okay. Hello? Can you go to the next one for me? Okay. The next thing we we understand about God's the nature of God's forgiveness is that He remembers our sin no more. Let me just read to you Hebrews uh, chapter 8, verse 12. He says this: He says, For I will be merciful. Isn't that wonderful? We sung that this morning. I will be merciful toward their iniquities. And I will remember their sins no more. Now this might be a bit of a problem to you because we know that God is omniscient. That means he, he knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. He knows what's going to happen in the next 10 years, the next 1,000 years. He, he fully knows. But it says here that how can we have to ask the question, how can the all-knowing God then... Remember my sin no more. How how can there be divine forgetfulness? You see, when you use your computer and you press delete and you think it's gone, the amazing thing is people like Adj and others can go and recover what you've deleted. It's still present somehow to be recovered. But you know, God makes an eternal choice. An intentional, deliberate choice to remember your sin no more. It's interesting how the Bible phrased that, to remember your sin no more. In fact, Isaiah 43, 25 puts it like this. I am he who blots out your transgressions and I will not remember your sins. That word blot out is very interesting because it's from where we get the word exterminate. Dalek time. Exterminate. I remember your sins no more. They are exterminated. And it also means never to be mentioned again. Never to be mentioned again. When you stand before the throne of God, if you are a Christian this morning, you're going to die, you're going to stand one day before the judge of all the earth, your Father in heaven. He is not going to suddenly wake up before you a charge list of all the things that you've done. That is not going to happen. Because he has remembered them no more. They are under the blood of Jesus. King Hezekiah really understood this. He said, you have cast my sin behind your back. The past is unalterable. You know, however much you think about it and churn it over, however great your your self-regret or your self-loathing is, If you have confessed your sin, the offer of God is utter forgetfulness of your sin. And, you know, I've had to speak to myself about this because, you know, I am a person, when I get things wrong, who suffers real regret. I hate getting things wrong, particularly when I hurt people that I love and people I don't love, but uh, hurt people. Um, And I churn on it. And it can take me days, even when someone has said, I, "I forgive you." And so I was enjoying the wonder of what God was saying to me through this. And then, in December this year, for a very other reason, another reason, I went to see Jim Reese Larkin. And on the morning of going, dear Charmony, texted me and said, "It's time to delete the Punisher within you." I thought that's right. See, it's a bit of a blasphemy, really, of the forgiveness of God, that when the punishment that was due me for my sin was put on Christ, that inside here I'm trying to somehow punish myself. I had a remarkable time, in many ways, with uh, Jim Reese Larkham, and one of the things that got broken was the punisher in me. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, we don't have self. Yes, there is godly sorrow that leads us to repentance. But once we've repented, once we've confessed our sin, it's over. It's done. And to wallow, to be a wallower in that is an an ungodly thing. Do you know, the more you wallow doesn't mean you get a better forgiveness. It's not that. It's gone. It's done. We'll look at 1 John 1.9 in a minute. And because that word blot out means never to be mentioned again, when in your head the thought of a past wrong comes. That isn't the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. But if it is confessed, it is forgiven. That's not Holy Spirit, that's Satan. Because he wants to draw you back into something that has been dealt with. And so if you have those thoughts, you don't even need to agree with him, yes, I did it. They don't agree with him because in God it is gone. You are separated and he has remembered it. No more. Bill Johnson says this, and we've repeated this many times. He says, I cannot afford to have a thought in my head that God does not, about me that God does not have in his. So when he looks at you, he's not looking from naught to when you got saved, and he's remembering, oh, I remember those days, Mark. And then he's not looking at those things I've done yesterday and the day before. He's not looking at that. If they're confessed, they're utterly forgiven. And I just want to say this. If you come to the cross of Christ, it's not that you have to list every sin. And if that sin is not mentioned, then it's not forgiven. No, when you come to Christ and you say, Father, I recognize I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I am so sorry I've ignored you. I'm sorry I've lived a life where I've rebelled against you. It's not... That you have to then list them all and anything unlisted is not covered. No, it is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. If he brings specific things to mind, yeah, you say them, you confess them to God. I want you to know that if you come humbly, he covers, his blood covers. Hallelujah. And God has no record of my sin. Hallelujah. The next one. The forgiveness of God cleanses me from all unrighteousness and breaks the bias to sin. Isn't that wonderful? So 1 John 1, 1.9, we don't really need to look to it, you probably know it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now what's important about that verse is he is not writing to unsaved people, he's writing to saved people. So this isn't a verse about salvation. This is a verse about sanctification. It's about the ongoing work of Christ in our lives as we live our lives. And somehow, in our confession of our sin, it unlocks or it releases the cleansing of God. And just to say, what does that word cleansing mean? Well, there is the obvious meaning, which means to wash. It means to wash. But actually, it also means not to wash just with water, but to wash with fire. In the same way that uh, a, 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 a jeweler would put silver in a, a pot and, and put a Bunsen burner underneath it and heat it and heat it. And all the impurity of the silver comes to the surface and they scrape that off. And then they do it again and again and again until he sees his reflection in that. That's why it's about sanctification, because who is it that that God is wanting to make us like? Who is it? Jesus. And so he refines us until he sees his face. He takes the scum of our sin away time and time again until he sees his own face, that reflection of Christ within us. So the stain, the impurity that comes with sin is washed away. Interestingly, the word in the Greek also means the word that they would use when they prune a vine. And when you prune a vine, you cut it right back. I cut my vine back every year, really nasty. If you came and saw me doing it, you'd think this thing's never going to grow again. I don't know how many kilograms of grapes we got this year, but tens of kilograms of grapes this year off one vine because it's harshly pruned. So again, you've got that sense of being cut away from sin, that, the, that when we're cleansed, we're cut away from sin. And then the third thing, which I is, is just want to focus on a bit, is that, that we are freed from the corruption of sin. That's what also cleansing means, to be freed from the corruption of sin. I don't know if you know, but, but God wants you to succeed in your Christian life. He wants you to success. He's for your success. We've heard twice today that he will present us blameless. Who's presenting us blameless? He is. Jude 24 says he who will keep you from falling. Who keeps you from falling? He does. Oh I thought it was all down to me. No he will keep you from falling and, and Ezekiel seeing salvation in the heart of God prophesied this. He says speaking of salvation, I will put my spirit, this is God speaking, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you or otherwise move you to walk in my ways and be careful to obey all my just degrees and I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. What's the Holy Spirit in you for? He's not some policeman watching over your life looking to see when he can give you a ticket. He's not like a traffic warden who's got 40 tickets to issue in the day and he's walking around and he's looking for that missed parked car and he puts the the ticket on. He goes, yes, I can go home now because I've got my 40th ticket out. No, he's not like that. He's not some holy policeman looking for every check and balance in your life. No, he's placed his Holy Spirit. He has come himself within you to move you towards righteousness. That's why there's no temptation that you cannot resist because it's what is in you. It's not about who you are. It's about who he is, who moves you. Yes, there's personal responsibility. Yes, there is choices. But God has made it easy to resist sin because he's put his spirit within you that moves you, moves you. is that amazing? Amazing. You never have to sin again. I know we're human we will. But actually, the Holy Spirit within us moves us towards righteousness. The bias towards sin has been broken because of his forgiveness and his cleansing. We haven't got time to look at this matter in detail. It's probably a, a sermon in its own right. But I just want to say just very quickly, we are... The reality of what John writes is utterly true. All we need to do is confess our sin and we are utterly forgiven. But that doesn't mean that we cheapen the grace of God. Paul makes that very clear. He said, just because there's grace, do we go on sin? He says, by no means. Twice he says that. But you know the wonder of the, what Jesus said to Peter. Malcolm mentioned this last week. You know, Peter comes and says, how many times shall I forgive my brother? And Jesus said, seven times 70, forgive him. What was Jesus reflecting? He was reflecting the heart of the Father in forgiveness. That we can come again and again over the same issue, and God will forgive us. And that's really the wonder of his mercy. Because, you know, sometimes in our lives, we get instantly set free. I knew that. As a, as, a, as a young 19-year-old, I was instantly set free from the, uh, from the addiction to masturbation. Instantly set free. My addiction to lying took longer to get through. And I had to walk in that. And I had to come back to God and say, God, I've done it again. I'm sorry. And I, even today, know it's a weakness. And, and so I have to be careful. That I don't exaggerate. I don't... I have to be careful I don't leave things out when I'm talking about things to make myself look a bit better. I have to be careful in that area. I have to walk with God. There's a grace to walk in that rather than utter freedom, which happened with the masturbation. I lost my train of thought. So so Peter has this experience and and Jesus is reflecting it. And what's the mercy in this is that when you are getting out of addiction, and that might be addiction to custard creams, it might be addiction to alcohol, it might be any addiction because we have addictions. We don't recognise we have these repeated behaviours. Actually, we can come to God again and again and again and he never ever says to you, Don't darken my presence again. Don't come again. He says, no, come. Let me forgive you today. But Lord, I did that this morning. Don't matter. I forgive you this this afternoon. Again and again. That's the mercy of God because he wants you to walk in the freedom of forgiveness. Sanctification takes time. Sometimes addiction takes time because it takes time for the truth and the reality to come through us. And then the last thing. The forgiveness of God declares us holy and blameless and above reproach. If anything else this morning has been a wonder, this this is otherworldly. This is heaven. This is not earth. This is an extraordinary reality that whatever I have done sinfully, what my hands have done, what my mouth has said, what my eyes have chosen to look at, what my mind has thought, When I confess my sin, his forgiveness declares me blameless and above reproach. Blameless means without fault, as if you have never sinned. That's the reality. It's extraordinary. So you stand before God as judge and you are guilty. And we agree with him, I am guilty. I confess my sin. And I turn to him as God, as Father. And he says, I don't count you faultworthy. I count you as blameless. Wow, that would transform our marriages and our relationships, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's not your fault. It's all right. We have no concept of that in, in our earthly, earthly lives. But we do in terms of Jesus Christ. And then above reproach means beyond Criticism. You are beyond criticism. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that just amazing? This is the utter thoroughness of the forgiveness of God for you. And wonderfully, we've, not only is it written in Colossians, it was written in Ephesians that we read earlier. It's in the book of Philippians. It's in the book of Jude. And when you look through the Old Testament, at the Old Testament prophets who speak of salvation, it's riddled the whole way through there. The thoroughness of the forgiveness of God. No guilt, no shame, no burden of sin. We are totally free from our sin totally free you are free this morning just let me wrap this up psalm 32 verse 1 says this oh what joy For those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those. I ask if you're not living in the joy of God, if your life is not hallmarked by joy, I ask you, are you utterly convinced that you are forgiven? I had some words for people, I had a word. For the unforgiven this morning. It might be that you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never come and confessed your sin to him. Let me just read further from Psalm 32. This is in the Passion Translation. The pain, this is a talking of sin... Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish and misery. The pain never let up. For your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart and drained my strength away. My inner life dried up as I suffered this spiritual drought within my soul. Some of you suffering like that. Do you feel that? Actually, it's about unconfessed sin. If you have never given your life to Jesus, never humbled yourself, you are not free from this. It will, it will keep you held for all of your life, the weight and the burden of it. And so this morning, you can do that. You can come and confess your sin. In fact, if John and Lizzie could just come back, that would be great. I had a word for the wallowers and self-punishers. Stop it. i just repeat what I said. Jesus was punished for your sin so you could walk free. It's an issue of trust. It's an issue of trust in what God has said. I want a word for the entangled as well. The past is not your destiny. The past is not your destiny. What you have sinned If it's confessed, it's behind the back of God. And therefore it needs to be behind your back. You're blameless and above all criticism. I think there's a word for the unforgivable this morning. What do I mean by that? I mean this. Some carry what I call false guilt and shame in their lives. It's a very powerful thing. Perhaps when your mum and dad divorced, somehow you felt as a child it was your responsibility. Perhaps there was a death in your family, perhaps a brother or a sister died. And somehow you've felt, somehow I should have protected them, I should have helped them, I should have been, I should have been there. You know, people that have been through abusive situations often believe that they are responsible for the abuse that has come into their lives. I want you to know this morning there is freedom for you. God wants to come and heal you of false guilt. He wants to break off you those things that you have believed that are not your responsibility. Believe as I'm saying this, some of you are right now receiving that. You know that you carry a, a strange sense of responsibility for something that wasn't yours. It might even be your own divorce. It might be their own failure of a relationship. It might be that you were sacked from a job and, and, and since then employment has been hard for you. But you carried something that wasn't yours. I want you to know there's utter freedom for you this morning. Why don't you come and bring it to the Lord Jesus this morning? Because there is this joy for those who are forgiven. There is with the wonder of it. I am just asked Lizzie if she would just sing over us this song. The words will go up, but what's in my heart is if God's spoken to you this morning, why don't you start to talk to him about it? If you've got unconfessed sin, let the Holy Spirit just bring that to the surface. Don't go rooting around. Why don't you just say to God, I'm sorry. Perhaps for the first time in your life, you can say to God, God, I am sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for what I have done. Would you forgive me? and receive that forgiveness. So let them just sing that over us, please. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes.
1: The precious Fuck. blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Oh, what is saying? <laughs> yes. Isn't he one? Sing Hallelujah.
0: Christ is risen. Jesus, come, come, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You've heard every prayer, every heart cry this morning. I thank you that your forgiveness is complete and utter. Thank you we can walk out of here not carrying the burdens of the past. Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you fill every heart? Every heart that has spoken to you, as you've removed their sin far from them, would you fill them now with the joy of their salvation, the wonder of mercy. Right now, come. Come. Thank you that we come to a Father whose arms are open wide. We don't come to the judge. We're coming to a Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your words. Father, may it now take its root in our hearts. May we live differently because of the freedom and the forgiveness that has come through your Son, Jesus. Amen. Look, it would be great to pray for you this morning if you know that you uh, just need some prayer. We want to pray for the sick this morning, felt that this morning. So be good if you're sick in your body, we'd like to pray for you. If you are that person where you are facing a a temptation that seems so great that you are struggling, God has called to you this morning. There is forgiveness. Even if you've started on a journey, can I tell you, it's never too late to shut the door. Just because you've started, perhaps you've done some things that have moved you towards this, this final act. Can I tell you, it's never too late to turn back before you ruin your life, before death comes to your circumstance and your situation and if you just need prayer then do just come forward come we're going to have tea and coffee have a great week live in the joy of what god has done for you in the wonder of it but please just humble yourselves come and get prayer god is for us he is with us amen it's been great to see you amen